Hello everybody and welcome to Brumwagon, the paradise of road bikes ridden off-road. You're gonna listen more about that, I will really really tell you, because yeah, the guest of today has a couple of tips on that. Remember, this podcast is brought to you by Komoot, the perfect partner to discover new routes, especially in a period where we are really discovering way more our backyard. Let me mention two things on that. First of all, go to the Broom Wagon account on Komoot and follow the collection of this podcast where you will find all the backyard rides of the guests that are gonna talk here. You're gonna find amazing inner gems like the one of today and you're gonna find as well things to get inspiration for your own trips and routes and just maybe training rides or just enjoying rides, whatever you think about it. Another thing that I want to tell you about Komoot, remember that you have a code and the code is BROOM. So if you're not registered already on Komoot, remember to go on komoot.com G and then you can unlock an extra region for your account. What does it mean? It means actually that you can start exploring all over this region that you choose and you can also take your routes and your maps offline from this region and this comes really handy especially if you like me every time that go out find a bit of difficulties let's say you're choosing the right way going left instead of going right because you're too undecided or because your thirst of exploration it's so high i found myself pretty pretty often in the middle of nowhere and by having the map offline well that's a problem that doesn't worry me anymore. So remember again, komu.com slash G and then write the code BROOM, like BROOM wagon, And there you will get your region for free. I will try to keep this intro pretty short, even if it's already two minutes, because the information today are a lot and the episode is thick with amazing chats. So keep tight. I just want to tell you another thing. Remember that you can subscribe, rate, comment, and share this episode with all your friends in all the platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere. And that's it. Just kick in with the conversation. I got to know Ruben, hopefully I'm saying it correctly, uh, some month ago because uh, we got in contact through, you're gonna listen to all the story anyway in the episode, but we got in contact through Instagram. He's a lovely guy, he's an amazing young rider, and we got a lot of super deep conversation till when I said, okay, Ruben, why don't you just get in uh, the podcast? Because I think that you have a lot of things to talk about. This episode is gonna be talking really about a lot of times, about mental health, about pressure in cycling, about everything that comes together with a young pro rider life. But we're gonna talk as well about charity, we're gonna talk about training, we're gonna talk about a lot of projects, mountain bike, road bike, truck bike, and a lot of love. And of course, backyard rides. So yeah, sit down, take a coffee, and spend a bit of time listening to Ruben. So it's snowing outside and then nothing is better than having a super Walmart conversation. And why I say that? Because the interview that I'm doing today, it's something that is coming out from a co- one of the first conversations that I got from the Instagram account that is Broom Wagon 
club. Uh, I was just looking for similar people around. We were just following, not following, whatever. And then uh, Ruben just wrote on the on the messaging there saying, oh, okay, whenever you want to come over to Switzerland, just feel free. And then I said, what the hell? I'm already in Switzerland. And so we started this conversation and then we got to know each other and they got to know Ruben as a pro cyclist, super young rider and super great, awesome person. So I said, okay, why don't you just jump in the conversation and we are going to have a lot of topics to talk about. But first of all, I just want to say, first of all, hi, Ruben, how are you doing? Hi, um, and hi, everyone, I guess. I'm doing good. Um, I'm still a bit tired, even though it's, how late is it? <laughs> yeah. Half past 11. But yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you. That's awesome. And the second thing that I want to do, I want to mispronounce properly your surname, name and surname. I'm going to do it all tight, Ruben. Huh? Mm-hmm. Ruben, who's thing? Well... Kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a more. Dutch name. Okay. So you say it, uh, actually in Dutch you say Ruben Oosting. Uh, but that's Ruben. a bit difficult, I guess. So just say, yeah, Ruben, Ruben Oosting. Okay, that's... Ruben Oosting is a bit more in the English slash Italian way. Yeah, <laughs> correct. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Bella Italia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually understood. Actually, you are Dutch then, but you're living in Switzerland. Yes, correct. I was born in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, and I lived there for five years um, together yeah, with my parents and my older brother and older sister. But my dad and I, we have asthma. I know it sounds suspicious as a cyclist, but uh-huh. I, can, <laughs> I can confirm that I do have asthma. I have moderate asthma. But my dad has um, pretty strong asthma. Um, and he had to leave home a few times to go to Davos in Switzerland to the asthma center, I guess it's called. Um, we, yeah, I was there for a few months always and, um, basically it got to a point where, yeah, it was just not able for him to live anymore, uh, in the Netherlands. So yeah, my parents decided that we're going to move to a different country where the air is better. Um, and they were looking at countries like, for example, France or Austria, um, yeah, and we landed in Switzerland in a little town called Altal, which is which is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, showed me some pictures before on how your life outside of your windows look like, and I don't know. With all that snow, you told me that you are around one thousand meters of altitude, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, wow. one thousand thirty. Yeah. That's super awesome, and actually, that's one of the dreams of my life, going to live in a little mountain village, and yeah, it looks super, super, super great. Um, let me continue and go on. So actually, we talked about your dad, we talked about where you live. Give us a bit more of introduction about yourself. And yeah, let's start from here. About myself. Yeah. Um, okay, so like I said, my name is Ruben Osting. I am, I'm, I'm 20 years old. Yeah, I just had to think. <laughs> yeah. I'm 20 years old. Um, yeah, I was born in the Netherlands, like I said before, mm-hmm. in Switzerland in 2005. And, um, yeah, in the Netherlands, you actually go to school two years earlier than in Switzerland. So I already had two years of school. Um, then I went to school here and I live in Canton Schweiz. And that's usually like the people here are very conservative. So um, me as a foreigner living in a really small town in a conservative um, part of Switzerland, it was very difficult for me growing up because... 
Um, in the beginning, like the first few months, I couldn't really speak the language properly. And then even when I like um, spoke Swiss German perfectly, the people would still make fun of me, even beat me up just because I was a foreigner. Um, yeah, but I had I had a lot of friends and I had good people around me. Um, my parents also looked out for me. Of course. And yeah, and um, like I said, I live pretty high here in the mountains, and we actually have ski slopes uh, like five minutes down the road in Bruni. Um, and I started skiing as well when I was five. So right when I got here, started skiing. At the beginning, I was super scared, mm -hmm. but after a few times, I got the hang of it and it actually turned out to be pretty good. And I was just racing a bit like school races and then, yeah, some races from the ski club here. Plus, I was playing football, which I think everyone does at that age, or basically everyone does. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I'm very competitive, so I've always had this dream to become like a pro athlete, like first football, then skiing, then football again. and uh yeah then in 2012 i had an accident mm -hmm. in school just yeah pe like school sports it was a really stupid accident we had to run over some kind of bench mm -hmm. and basically i placed my right foot on the edge and then my body fell off on the right side Aww. my leg kind of stayed and then the upper leg turned 90 degrees outside so my leg, like my lower leg was staying in the same place, but the rest of my body was moving. So my knee broke and all the ligaments ruptured. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was 12 at that age. Mm. And in total, I needed to get five surgeries. I still have screws in my knee now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically the football dream and, uh, and the skiing dream was, was gone. Mm -hmm. I even, yeah, I couldn't walk properly in the beginning and I had a cast for six months, which is really long. Um, I actually had to get a new cast done because I couldn't move the leg at all. So the muscles were so small that I had to get a second cast because I literally, I, I fit twice in it. Wow. Um, and then after a while, yeah, I could slowly start walking again. And my doctor told me, yeah, well, cycling will be good for your knee. And um, we went to France holidays. We went to Pau, which is southern france mm -hmm. at the time the tour de france was there and my parents especially my dad already loved cycling and we went to watch there and i was immediately like okay i want to become a pro cyclist um but i never actually did a lot for it and yeah my doctor said well cycling is good and i always knew after that that i want to become a pro cyclist but like i said i didn't really start doing anything for it until the age of I think 16 or 17, I started cycling. And yeah, in 2018, I did my first races. Okay, 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 okay. So that's how you actually got into cycling. So we're talking about Tour de France 2013, right? No, I think actually, yeah, 2013 and 2012. No, no, I think it was 2012 when uh, when Bradley Wiggins won. Uh, that, that's what I was thinking about because probably this one, I remember that Tour de France, like one of the most, I don't know, the coolest one, just because I think that Bradley Wiggins is a super cool rider. And yeah, correct, I, yeah. I would say it with any problems, I would continue saying it forever. 
Uh, but I remember that was, yeah, actually a really, really good one with a lot of contenders out here and there. Mm-hmm. I remember right. some, uh, yeah, some good breakaways and stuff. Wow. I remember watching it as well. And by the time, uh, yeah, I mean, I was starting to watch cycling and I knew absolutely nothing about cycling. I just knew that Mark Cavendish was world champion. So I was like, yeah, Mark Cavendish is going to win the Tour de France. And then on one mountain stage, he was 45 minutes behind. And I was like, well, maybe he's not going to win the Tour de France. <laughs> and that way, yeah, I learned a bit about cycling and it just continued. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I also remember Chris Froome being way stronger than Bradley Wiggins on some climbs. Yeah. yeah um, I remember this super bad scene of you know, Chris Froome talking on the radio. Uh, yeah, correct. And having to wait and... Yeah. And Nibbly also attacking them. Yeah, it was a, yeah, good memories. Yes, yes, yes. The last thing that I remember, and then we will stop talking about Tour de France of 2012 because it's super cool. I remember on the last stage, the Paris stage, uh, actually I remember the yellow jersey leading up the Yeah, group. correct. Yeah, leaving... Yeah, yeah, for leading Cavendish out from the bunch, and it was oh, wow, it was super, yeah, full super send. Cool. and it was cool. Because, yeah. yeah, this was one of the coolest scenes that I could imagine probably in my life. You know, the yellow jersey leading the group to let his teammate win on the final stage. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but he's such a cool guy, Wiggins. Yeah, absolutely. Do you watch actually the TV on the ground tours on the Eurosport as well, right? I watch every single Grand Tour. Yeah. That's what I live for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's why it's super cool to listen. Also, all the things that he says, whatever, he's a super smart and cool guy. Yeah, that that's true. That's true. And he's actually also very humble. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, he likes his own personal space, but he's also very humble. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it just shows that, I mean, he's won the, the Tour de France in 2012. And like the last stage, usually the GC contenders, like the, the GC winner, just look at, some kind of rest day you know some celebration day yeah but he was there like full gas and the last corner leading cav out which was just yeah great i mean just shows how well he worked yeah in that team yeah yeah anyways and i think that he also speaks i don't know many languages for sure he speaks perfect french and some italian apart from english like you i think that you also speak so many languages so if he actually wants for sure (laughs) If he wants actually to be part of this show, whatever, uh, Ruben and me would be super happy to interview you. Yes, Brad, please, yeah. please come join us. <laughs> we are going to do I it I also together. speak some languages. We can talk in French, so... Absolutely. You speak also French? Yes, I speak, uh, I speak Dutch. Of course. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I speak German, obviously. Then Swiss German, which isn't an official language, but I'm going to count it because it's Pretty different to normal German, as you can probably tell, as yes, you know. Yes, yeah, definitely, um, definitely. Then I know French. Okay, um, we are at four. Sorry? We are at four languages. I'm counting with my fingers. Ah, okay, yeah, we're at four. Me, me too, actually. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, obviously English, which I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you'll just, I mean, I can't speak the language, but just some simple sentences in Spanish, like, uh, yo no soy tonto. Okay, perfect. <laughs> and um, I mean, Italian, I can't really speak Italian, just uh, scusi parlo poco italiano. Ah, perfect. So when you are in the <laughs> Italian part of Switzerland or in Italy, you know when people approach you that actually they have to yeah, change just, language. Yeah, just parlo yeah. poco italiano. Perfect. <laughs> and I actually, I'm learning Polish now. Okay. Because my girlfriend's from Poland. And um, yeah, I actually can speak quite a bit of Polish. Well, I mean, I can't like uh, have a conversation 
but I can understand quite a lot because when you know a lot of languages, it's really easy to understand like um, similar languages, you know, because Polish has a lot of French, it has a lot of Dutch, it's had, yeah, a lot of German. So it's kind of like a mix of all those languages. And if you just know um, some words, you can kind of get the, the context of what they're talking about. Yeah, so languages definitely help. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. So actually, with all these languages, for sure, we can have an amazing conversation in several languages with Mark Cavendish. It's perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> perfect. Um, so, uh, Keek, in continuing to the conversation, you said that then you are into cycling, or actually, you got into cycling when you were around twelve and thirteen. I think you would have get into cycling anyways because. That's like it is usually, but actually everything we can blame positive way uh, an injury on your knee. Then how does it look like your cycling like uh, life? Sorry. So after you were thirteen, you started cycling or whatever. Where are you at now? Well, so like I said, at thirteen, like the doctor said, well, yeah, you should um, start cycling just just slowly because it's good for your knee. But being the person I am, I don't hear the word slowly. So, <laughs> no, actually, I yeah, just started cycling a bit. Like I said, I wanted to to become a pro. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad bought me a race bike. Um, yeah, when I had to go to the doctor, which was like on the other side of the mountain, we went there uh, by bike. Yeah, just things like that. And then, really, I think in yeah, 2016... Like the end of 2016, I think I did one of my very first rides. I remember it. It was, yeah, it was kind of in my backyard and it was a climb and I absolutely died. Like I had to stop three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it, it makes sense, it. actually. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. Killing myself. It's so fun to, uh, <laughs> to feel the pain in your legs and, yeah, yes. feel like you, you can't move anymore. Yeah, so anyway, I enjoyed that. And then, yeah, I just continued cycling. I did a lot of indoors because there was um, the end of 2016, I think. So, yeah, in the winter, and winters here last pretty long. Yes. Don't say that. We're just at the beginning. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did a lot of um, indoor cycling. And actually, something really great happened at the time because there was a swift giveaway from GCN. Okay. GCN at the time, I don't know how many subscribers they had. They were they were already pretty big. Um, and I just I signed up without yeah without expecting anything. Uh, what you could win was like the Wahoo kicker plus an iPad plus oh, something wow. and something. Yeah. The full setup. And the full setup, correct. And Yeah, plus a free membership, of course, mm -hmm. like a, a premium membership for free. That, yeah, that's what I mean. And uh, then the video of them came out, but I didn't watch it. Just, um, yeah, the video on the weekend, I think. And uh, yeah, then a few days later, I got an email from Tom Lost. It was like, yeah, Ruben, in case you haven't seen yet on the video, you won the competition i was like wait what wow <laughs> and then i checked the the video um it was a video about weekend warriors i think and yeah and then it came to the swift giveaway and i just saw my name and i was like what i was yeah i was so happy um so that really helped in that time because then i got like the swift setup 
So I already had that going. Um, and I could just train indoors on Swift. And I did that a lot. I did that every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, the longest ride on Swift I did at that time was like five or six hours. Um, which was pretty rare back then. I mean, now you have a lot of guys doing very long rides. Yeah, but still, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it's mind-numbing. Oh. But, um, yeah, so I did that. And then, yeah, when yeah when I could train outside again, I just rode my bike outside. I still did training indoors because I was working full time, um, so I couldn't work, I couldn't train in the morning, so I had to train in the evenings. Mm -hmm. And usually it was pretty dark already, so yeah, training indoors. Um, at the end of 2017, I started looking for a cycling team. Um, so. I found a cycling team, which is pretty close. It's in Vetsicon. Mm -hmm. um, and it was called Gadola Vetsicon. Mm -hmm. And they were basically a team that has like under 17s, under 19s, and under 23 riders. Okay. But a lot of their riders have turned pro. And one of their riders, for example, was Peter Müller. He became pro at, um, uh, how do you call it? BM, wait, I have to see. Uh, now it was called Vital Concept. Okay. But now it's, yeah, now it's called BMB Hotels or something. Okay. But yeah, they have a lot of good riders. It's a continental team, right? Uh, Pro Continental. I Pro think. Continental team, yeah. Okay. Yeah, BMB Hotels, Vital Concept. Ah, and got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah they yeah, have that's... like riders like uh, Pierre Roland and si, si, si. Um, Brian Cocard. So yeah, they have a lot of good riders. Then in his first pro season, actually, he participated in Omlop and Newsblad. Mm -hmm. And he came in in the same group as uh, Wout van Aert. Yes. So that was pretty strong. And they also had different riders, like, for example, his brother, who rode for the under-23 team of Aged Um They had uh, uh, Lukas Ruek, who became a pro at um, Team Vorarlberg, Santik, mm -hmm. Nico Selenati, uh, yeah, there's a lot of riders who also are now in the Swiss national track team, like in the team pursuit. Okay. So it was a really good team, a lot of talent. Oh, also Oliver Beringer from Team Novo Nordisk yeah. rode for them. Yeah, so really good team, um, really good organization behind it. And I saw that on the internet they were looking, you know, they were accepting new riders. You just had to send your CV and yeah. They also asked for the races. You won, I like the race results. But yeah, I didn't race yet. So I just said, okay, well, they started out with cycling. I explained everything. I told them my numbers. I don't know if that was important, but yeah, I just put it in there. Mm -hmm. And then to my surprise, I got accepted to the team, wow. which was great. Yeah. Yeah. And then in March, I think we had the first training camp, which was in Mallorca. Mm -hmm. And that was difficult. Like, there were under 23 riders on, to, uh, on the 19 and on the 17s. And I was on the 19 at the time. But yeah, I hadn't raced yet. So the level was pretty high. Yeah, it hurt a lot, but it was a very good experience. So yeah, I got into that team. I raced for them. And then at the end of the season, no, actually in the middle of the season, someone of the staff passed away. Oh. And I think that and other events led to the team uh, yeah, stopping at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So I had to look for a different team. And I found an... Uh, well, I got in contact with an Italian continental team. 
not going to say any names. Okay. Um, okay, no worries. Yeah, because my experience there wasn't good, and I'm probably not going to talk very nicely about them. Okay. So anyway, I got accepted to that team, and that was really like a traditional Italian team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Neo riders, like the new ones, they, yeah, basically they had to look out for themselves, and nothing basically was organized for them. Okay. And we mainly raced in national races, so Swiss and Italian races. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, Italians are crazy, by the way, on the bikes. Like, Italian races, just, yeah, crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can I ask you more? Why they are crazy? Why they are crazy? Just because of all the risks they take. And, yeah, I think they don't have eyes or anything. They just chop you off. And, I don't know, it's just very... Uh, I didn't feel very safe. Okay. It was just a lot of, I don't know, a lot of shouting going on, a lot of aggressive riding... Yeah, but it was definitely a good experience, but like I said, very I felt very uncomfortable, especially at the beginning. Okay, okay. So yeah, and then I put in a lot of good training sessions, like yeah, from my coach, and my numbers were looking pretty good, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, an international race in Poland, the tour of Malopolska, and a guy who was supposed to go there got injured. So they called me in and Well, getting there was a complete disaster. And after that, too, I was done with that team. Um, I'm going to tell you why. Because we had arranged to meet somewhere on the highway in Switzerland. Um, where they would pick me up and they would drive to uh, to Poland, which isn't bad or anything. Because, yeah, we'd do it like in two stages. So we'd, we'd stop somewhere, Germany. They had told me that they would pick me up at, I think, 10 or 11. Basically, I was there and the staff member was also there. And we waited for like two or three hours. And my dad was still there. He was also waiting because he he dropped me off there. And I called them and they didn't pick up their phones. And it was just horrible. And then all of a sudden they called and they said like, yeah, we're there and there. And that was like two hours away. So I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Um, and a good thing is that my brother is a flight attendant. He managed to organize me and a staff member a flight to Warsaw. So yeah, we just, we rode back home because i had to get my uh the bike bag yeah then we rushed back to the to the airport got on the plane flew to warsaw but we had to get to krakow so my brother had also booked train tickets to krakow uh yeah basically the team wasn't happy because i didn't wait for them and i wasn't happy because they weren't on time they were actually like like i said five or six hours late um and yeah then i got there And the organization of them was just very bad. Like, I had to assemble the bike, everything myself. I got no help, even though... I mean, assembling a bike could just... Yeah, isn't that difficult. But I was in a hurry. I also, like, had to get dressed and stuff. Because there was a criterium on the main square. Krakow. Yeah, it was just... And they didn't wait for me, so I had to find my own way. Luckily, there was the Slovenian national team, so I could join them. And we rode there together. Yeah, it was just a lot of... I don't know. A lot of bad luck. Not bad luck, bad organization. Sorry, that's what I meant. And um, yeah, then there was the pre-race criterium. I actually crashed there. I hurt my hand. And um, the next day, like the tour would have started. And it was three or four days, three days, I think. Yeah, on the first stage, because of my wrist, I couldn't continue. So I did, I don't know, the first 30 kilometers. Then I, yeah, I had to abandon Which was pretty sad because, like I said, it was a lot of organization from my side as well going into it. You know, looking for the flights, getting to the airport, a lot of stress as well. 
and then yeah to yeah to not be re- rewarded for that um yeah it was it was kind of painful but then again it was my fault because i crashed but still yeah for sure you were not in the perfect situation you were not in the perfect conditions yeah correct yeah. correct um yeah there's a lot of events not going my way just bad luck and um yeah so that was also a very stressful day like when i abandoned the race because we woke up pretty early because there was a transfer to the start which is pretty long so i was pretty tired slept pretty badly the beds were not that comfortable um uh it was also very hot outside mm-hmm. poland like in the summer is very hot and um so we got to the start line. Took some while. Uh, took a while until it started. Uh, yeah. Then the race started. I had to abandon after the start. Yeah. Basically, I had to wait for the race to finish. Went back to the hotel. I immediately packed my stuff. I got to to the hotel, and within ten minutes, I left again to the train station. Krakow, like a taxi, picked me up, brought me there. Um, I got into the train, and I wanted to sleep in the train because I was absolutely knackered. But then. Um, my brother had booked first class, which was very good. Mm-hmm. Then there was an American guy sitting next to me. It was actually very cool, guys. We just talked for the entire three-hour train drive to Warsaw. <laughs> um, yeah, he also had to go to the airport, and then I invited him for some uh, for some coffee. Yeah. Then he left, and I had to wait at the airport because that was around midnight when I arrived in Warsaw, and my plane was leaving at 7 o'clock in the morning. So. Yeah, I stayed awake the entire seven hours until my plane left. Then I went, I flew to Basel, and from Basel I had to get home. But some friends asked me if I wanted to go to the zoo in Zurich. So I was like, well, I mean, my wrist is destroyed anyway, and I'm tired anyway. So yeah, I was a bit sad because of yeah everything that happened. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to the zoo with you guys. So from Basel, I went to, uh, to Zurich, went to the zoo the entire day, and then I got home. And I was so tired because I've been awake for I don't know how long. Mm. yeah <laughs> and like yeah like i said after that i was done with the team did a few more races for them nothing spectacular also the results weren't there i guess just because because of my mentality i guess i didn't feel comfortable anymore i didn't believe in myself anymore and i noticed that they also um didn't welcome me anymore or like didn't welcome me at all so yeah, I think in summer I stopped racing. There was a lack of supporting for you. So I can completely understand you not feeling completely supported and yourself not feeling completely, I would say, motivated on yeah, um, right. on do really the hard work or whatever. You need to get support. You're in a team. Correct. But like, I don't want to blame everything on them. No, of course. Because the story always has two sides. I mean, I also did some things that I shouldn't have done probably. But yeah, I was just... I was also like I wasn't in a great situation there anyways because I was still doing my apprenticeship in architecture mm-hmm. which took 4 years so I was working 42 and a half hours a week plus training which was really stressful so yeah often um staying up late you know also having to do stuff for school then training and then you know my weekends basically yeah spending my weekends to travel to races and then also the races being bad you know yeah 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 and after that what happened after that what happened um like i said in summer i stopped racing and then basically oh well within the space of three days a lot of things happened okay firstly i was training uh on um Sotlik, which is a climb here yes uh i think it's one of our favorites right yeah, yeah. it's a really nice climb yes yes 
I was, um, they were working on the road, like the road was under construction, so I had to go somewhere through the forest, it felt like. I mean, I, I know the route. Yeah, I drove there, I rode there, and cars were not allowed to go there, but then all of a sudden, a car came towards me, and he cut my corner, oh, gosh. and he crushed into me, mm. and yeah, he just, he just drove off. So he left me there, I was laying in the grass for a few minutes, oh, gosh. I didn't feel great. Um, but yeah, I uh, I was actually in the middle of a of a twenty minute effort, so <laughs> um, I went downhill again and I did my twenty minute effort. I felt a bit stiff, but I guess because it just had happened and yet the muscles were still warm, I, yeah, it felt pretty good. And also, I didn't really process what had happened. But then when I finished the twin twenty minute effort, I felt pretty bad. Like yeah, my entire body felt stiff. Um, was a bit nauseous. Also, was a bit in yeah shock. I guess. And then, uh, yeah, the next day, something else happened. Someone close to me got uh, sexually abused. Or at least I heard it at that time. Um, yeah, plus something else happened in the family, which was not nice. Um, yeah, there were three things happening in that short period of time. So three things within three days that, um, yeah, combined with... With, I guess, the uh, lack of support I got in cycling. Well, I've, I've, yeah. Um, I felt really bad. Um, I got into a very bad um, state of mind, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't concentrate on anything anymore. I spent a lot of time in my room. I didn't want to go training. Didn't really want to do anything. So I talked with my uh, with my trainer. And I said that, well, for, yeah, I'm not going to touch my bike now for I don't know how long. It turned out to be three weeks. Yeah, in that, in those three weeks, I felt really, really bad. It was a really tough time for me. With also a lot of good moments because in that time I uh, had a birthday. Oh, yeah. So I invited some friends. My parents were on holidays in Georgia. So they weren't around as well. And I was all alone in a big house. And... Yeah, I mean, I was working. I was working a lot of hours actually because that would, yeah, that would just help me get my mind off, of other things. And I think two days before my birthday, I, uh, I was at, uh, yeah, I was at the lowest point. Basically, I wanted to to take my own life, um, and now, like, that's not something which just happens because of. Yeah, the three things that happened, and also not just because the lack of support. It's more. Um, it starts grad. It starts gradually, you know. <laughs> Something that you don't really notice. Um, also, because I'm super, super, super competitive, I want to win in every little thing. Doesn't matter how stupid it is. I just want to win. And cycling for me as well. I wanted to become a pro and. I only started cycling when I was 16, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously my uh, my fitness level was lower than all the other people around me because I was racing against juniors. And yeah, some juniors now turn pro immediately. You know? Yes. Yeah. The level was, was really high. And I often got dropped in the beginning. So, you know, I just, yeah, I wanted to be as good as them or better, yeah, better even. But, uh, and I tried absolutely everything to achieve that yeah and uh 
I got so focused on that, I guess, that I also forgot all the things around me, all the beautiful things, and I only saw cycling, 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 cycling. Whereas, you know, um, oh yeah, cycling basically, I loved cycling, but cycling was pulling me into a, a hole. I wouldn't say cycling did that. I did that to myself without even knowing it through cycling where cycling should actually be a tool to get yourself out of like out of a bad spot and cycling is actually something really amazing like don't yeah if you're not focusing on the numbers or anything just riding and just enjoying outside just enjoying the the weather enjoying the yeah just enjoying everything the company just it feels so amazing feels like absolute freedom and cycling should be like that of course it's not always like that i mean yeah when you're racing competitively you also have to go outside when you don't want to but well yeah that's just how it works um but the point is that i didn't allow myself to see those good moments i only allowed myself to see the bad moments so i was only focused on the bad things yeah so at a certain point my self-esteem was also really low i just looked at myself as the guy who who got dropped the guy who couldn't um yeah who couldn't raise his power quickly enough like because i'm also pretty impatient which isn't a great thing but uh yeah i felt really bad and i tried to mask that but i think people close to me noticed that i was that i was not in a in a good spot yeah well um first of all ruben thanks a lot for talking to me uh about that um for several reasons because this is super eye-opening for a lot of a lot of things um first of all we all think we were talking about that before right we were talking about yeah. tour de france we we're talking about um this rider how cool is how cool is to be in the pro cycling we all have all in our eyes how cool is to be a pro cyclist right but the body yeah. considers a lot of things so first of all all the effort that you have to put in your life in order to get there and i mean long hours training the risk that you are getting all of us is getting but especially if you have to be more time on the ride on the road the risk that you have to take if you're riding your bicycle uh because you are out with cars and you know people is uh, people can be also cruel and do something like happen to you so crushing into you and leave you there uh, the yeah. other thing is that you cannot make um, out a living, especially if you are a young rider and you want mm -hmm. to become pro, you cannot make enough money to do only that. But you have also yeah, your correct. job and also you have, um, I believe, your um, inspiration in life. You don't want to be uh, only, I would say, a monothematic person just thinking about cycling. You study, mm -hmm. You are studying architecture, you were working in architecture, but still this means working full days on that while training and while traveling into the weekend to go for some races. So this is another layer of stress. Plus you have, if you don't have enough support, but even if you have it, you also all your life there uh, around that actually, I know that you have period where um, situation is tough, but actually you have an extra layer of pressure uh, on that. That is not completely, uh, is not completely good. So, putting all these layers around and uh, uh, knowing that you are going to have a lot of distress and uh, it's uh, knowing how tough 
it is uh, to get into procycling well this is something that you really really need to uh, need to consider all the time all the time that you're taking a choice and all the time we that i mean i talk about myself because you are into this world but we need to consider as well and how much support and how much talking and how much actually uh, we can step away from judging people that are riding the bike or they are pros because sometimes you know you see somebody not performing super good and you said ah okay uh, now he cannot ride anymore uh, now okay he's too old or he's not a talent that he was before and I heard a lot of these things about so many riders I'm not gonna name them but in this way but nobody steps into their shoes and think okay but these people are away from family for so much time. They have the pressure of the team because they need to win in order to get a new, uh, yes, in order to get a new contract or stuff. They are away from family. Uh, they are risking their life during training and during their life all the time. So sometimes it could happen, right, that you are feeling the pressure. But I truly believe that this is way bigger for a pro cyclist or a young cyclist that is try to follow his dream to become a pro, right? So that's all the thing, everything that we we need to consider. But before me asking you a question about this consideration, just first of all, tell me, how do you feel right now after all these bad things happen? You are still into cycling, you are still riding your bicycle. How do you feel? Yeah, um, I'm actually, I'm feeling really good. And okay. I'm very happy to say that because I can be honest when I say that. I really feel good. Um, I, yeah, my coach has also said that like when we call because my coach lives in the UK, mm -hmm. he also told me that you can just hear it, hear it in your voice and in the way you're talking, you're way more optimistic and yeah, just, a, just a big difference. Um, I, yeah, I really do feel good. Um, I finished my apprenticeship in the summer, which was also a lot of pressure taken off me. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and with cycling, it's just, like I said, uh, I don't know if I said, but I had an injury in my back now this year and other little things which weren't great, but, you know, that's just what happens. I mean, it happens to, to every cyclist at one point. But I'm just happy knowing that, okay, that's not a permanent thing. You know, it's a thing that, yeah, it is annoying now, but next year... Okay, maybe next year I'll feel that still, but then the year after that, I'm just going to be normal. It's all going to be normal. I won't even know that anymore, that I had that. Um, and I'm just, I'm happy, you know, with with cycling, but also with the people around me. Um, people around me, they care for me. I also care for the people around me. Um, I also, I talk a lot more with my parents, talk a lot with lot more with my friends i'm just i'm very happy mm -hmm. um i think people also notice that that i i don't know it sounds stupid but sometimes you have to be in a bad place to to get better you know you have to experience something bad to feel better mm -hmm. um and i guess i needed that for me to grow as a person for me to see things from a different perspective same as with you know when i broke my knee i also felt like that's the worst thing that could happen but actually something amazing came from it because i found cycling and yeah and i really learned to you know 
look at a situation like from a different perspective just observing the situation and not like immediately trying to act just looking at the at the situation and then looking at the negative things but then also looking at the positive things and then not constantly worrying about what's going to happen now what's this what's that just looking for a way to to overcome that challenge mm-hmm. yeah uh, absolutely it makes uh, it makes a lot of sense and actually the laws will actually uh, help you see a bit more of the eyes uh highs actually uh in life that's for sure but i truly believe that anyways um this kind of thing so i can understand that actually the pressure is a lot and everything and blah blah these things are better not to happen that's what i want to say uh but when it happens actually probably the best thing that we can do is to um Especially when you have, when everybody of us, but whoever uh, has some lows and whatever, it's always good to talk about that. Uh, something like mm. not for look for help, but just talk to that, uh, talk about that. Because first of all, it helps you take out some pressure from your uh-huh. state of mind and your body and everything. But also from the other side, also helps other people to know that this kind of lows or this kind of bad periods or whatever happens. So yeah. there's not something that we are living individually, but actually these are stuff that uh, helps, uh, something that happens everywhere and actually also help talking with anybody to yes, talk about that in order to actually to share a bit of this kind of uh, situation that we are living and whatever, that's great. But also on the other side, try to be all the time, and that's something that I start kicking off this conversation, but trying to be all the time as much supportive as possible. So if you are part of the team, Right. If you're part of a team, if you're part of uh, um, an environment like this, like cycling or whatever, be supporting is all and never judging. It's always the best thing that we can do. That's what I believe. Something like being there for people and not being there to judge people, uh, because this is the only thing. Because as I was saying, nobody knows what happens inside of somebody, right? So yeah. you don't need to judge people, but actually you need to support them if you see something is not it's not correct. Not uh, train harder because you are not winning or not work longer hours talking about working work longing hours because your performance is not good but why your performance are not good how do you feel checking in with people instead of judging them and this is the most important thing that i can say as i was saying for cycling but in general for life stepping back for judging but jumping in for supporting this is uh all the time the best thing that actually i would suggest but if you would actually and if you can uh, give tips or nice words or just words to young cyclists young riders like you are basically you are 20 you are freaking young uh, that you are they are jumping into the pro tour or they want to be pro whatever which one is the tip that you would tell them in order for feeling a bit less the pressure um well so now you i think you mainly talked about what like people from the outside can do to help you yes but um like looking at the like looking at uh, at a problem you have. I mean, it's your problem, right? Like all the other people, they couldn't care. But you know, it's your problem. Of course, the people around you do care, but it still is your problem, and you effectively had to have to get out there yourself. Of course, the people can help you, but you still have to do it on your own. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, um, so yeah, you talked about what people around you can do, but then, yeah, what, um. It's also good to just look at the problem, like look at your problem, what you have. So for example, me, um, 
the first thing was that well yeah races weren't going great you know yeah um so what's the worst possible outcome was that well i can't be a pro right yeah and then looking at that i mean is that really that big of a problem i mean just it sounds really stupid of course you have you have a dream and i still have that and i'm fighting for that but then looking at it i mean there's only a handful of people who make it to, to the pro level and then yeah just taking a step back and looking at your problems from a different perspective and just thinking like is my problem really that bad like you know yeah it sounds a bit stupid but that's what what really helped me just looking at it and thinking well it could be so much worse. Like if that's my biggest problem, then I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's the answer you want to hear, but that really helped me. Um, and something else. Um, yeah, like you said, talking about it. Um, what really helped me is talking to someone, to an expert who I didn't know. Um, so was not part of my friends, not a part of my family. And also, mainly not a part of cycling. You know, someone with a different perspective, someone who doesn't know anything about you, just talking to someone like that can really help you because it's, I mean, everyone says that, yeah, talk about your problems. And it sounds so stupid, but it's actually, it helps a lot because you really get that weight off your shoulders. And when you can speak to someone who doesn't know you, then it will also be easier to speak to the people who know you well and the people, you know, who love you. Um, so, yeah, talking is really, really important. Yeah. But just acknowledging a problem, yeah, and talking about it. You know, just first yeah, looking at the problem. What is my problem? And then just talking what happened. But yeah, yeah, what's wrong? And then those people can help you come up with solutions. And you can also help yourself come up with solutions because once you get all of that out of your head, like, because otherwise it's just stored all, all up in your head and you think about it constantly as running around in your mind. And that's the only thing you can focus on. But once you get that out, you know, like, okay, I've, I've talked about it and that's, you know, it feels really weird, but it's really, your head is a lot more calm because you know that someone or like just that weight is just off your shoulders. You've talked about it with someone. And then you can also think clearly about, you know, strategy, how to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that if you did something stupid, then you shouldn't deal with the consequences. Like you always have to deal with the consequences. That's just how it is. Even if it's not your fault and something happens, you just have to deal with the consequences. But yeah, I don't know. Talking about it and then... Yeah, the main thing is really looking looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's awesome. Actually, yeah, putting everything in... Uh, first of all, you said putting everything in perspective. So something like uh, zooming out and seeing, okay, if this doesn't happen, what can be the consequences? And this actually helps you a lot on understanding the problems sometimes that are building up in your head. They're not so, I would say, fundamental for your life. And then on the other side, talking, because this actually... Taking the things out, they make things a bit more 
I would say concrete and tangible. And so in this way, you can also say, ah, okay, so it's this, it's there, it's visible, it's possible. Of course, I truly believe that anyways, having support from professional, that's why I believe that any team mm -hmm. doesn't matter on which level, if um, for uh, young riders or or whatever, young sports, uh, sport people, or whatever, till uh, professional ones, in, we talk about pro-continental tour, we talked about also just in companies, so at your workplace or whatever, I think that the presence of professionals with that in order for people to understand and to talk with and whatever and to take stuff out from your chest that's really important to have because these are they are the only ones really that can help you making the first steps and to getting out because as you were saying at the end of the day you have to get out uh, from this situation from your feet with your feet right so yeah and a lot of people are i think also ashamed to talk about the problems or talk about things they they did which is natural yeah, but then again, look at it from the bigger perspective and think about, okay, what can actually happen? I mean, absolutely. if you did something stupid and you tell your parents, okay, they're maybe going to be mad at you, but they're still going to love you. You know, that's, you know, it's just looking at the at the bigger picture. You're scared and that's, that's just a normal reflex. But yeah, just try and think about it rationally. Just look at the, look at the bigger picture. I think about, okay, what can actually happen? Like, is it actually something that, that will affect my life massively or is it just something I don't like and I don't want to happen? Because that's like a big difference. Things you don't want to happen and things that actually affect you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the last thing that I want to add and actually I want to yeah, slightly talk here is that, for example, it was November something like last month, right? Mm -hmm. Till like Correct, 15 yeah. days ago. And there were a lot of initiatives or whatever also in cycling. And uh, this was exactly the message that was there around. Just talk about it and uh, um, try to share the voice because otherwise, and try to check in with friends if you see that uh, they are not, let's say, they are not looking as uh, good as you would think, or actually they look a bit more, I don't know, I would say sad or under pressure or whatever. Just talk of that, take out the problem, and uh, showing to the world that it's not a bad thing not to be okay, but everybody of us cannot be okay. So this thing would actually make things a bit more tangible, as I was saying, and uh, um, it's going to be easier for everybody then to talk about that. And I remember that... Um, there was the challenge of my friend Chris Hall. I probably you know him from uh, from the YouTube videos and uh, from his Instagram account or whatever. And he was making these ninety one uh, repeats on uh, climbs on uh, Boxing Hill, I think Box Hill, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, in London. And absolutely because of this reason, because of November, and to try to take out and to uh, let's say share awareness on this problem that is even bigger as i was saying for um the pressure that people live in order to be inside of the propeloton or to be we have a lot of examples or just to yeah, but also just just life in general like i'm not saying that we are the only ones living under pressure it's just you know it's everywhere absolutely pressure. absolutely absolutely stepping into the um, your life right now how your cycling looks like now you told me that you got um, a back injury that uh, actually is recovered you told me that actually there was also some 
No, I'm just trying to push you to say the word so I can put some coins into the into my jar, man. <laughs> but yeah, uh, how does it look like? How does, apart from everything, <laughs> how does your cycling world, cycling life now, it looks like? And I will just rush into the other thing that I want to ask you. Um, did you find finally the time of doing some rides without checking the numbers? Or you also your mo- the biggest chunk of your rides is for performance and for training? Okay, so... Firstly, for you to put some coins in the jar, I'm going to say Corona. Um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> ka-ching. <laughs> yeah, ka-ching. Um, yeah, I said it like before we started recording, I said it, but I'm also going to donate some oh, money you, to you for your cause. Yeah. Just send me your bank details, I guess. We can talk about that later. Yeah, we can talk about <laughs> anyway. that. Or you can also donate directly to the to the Sea Watch. I actually don't care. For me, the most important thing is to uh, to let a bit more of support to, to yeah, the Sea Watch yeah, crew. True. It's not a problem if it comes from me or whatever. This is my personal commitment. I don't want to talk about this topic during my podcast because everybody talks about that around uh, mm-hmm. that's why i put this jar but everybody who wants to support the sea watch crew mm-hmm. can do it directly the link is going to always be down in the description below anyways can i sorry can i say something about charities like something that i think also helped me with my mental health issues oh of course mi casa es tu casa man okay that's good <laughs> um so something i also noticed about cycling um it's very self-centered. Mm-hmm. It's all about your own performance. You know, my entire life is now built around cycling. Um, it's only about performance, you know, what makes me faster? How can I feel better? Just about me, 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 me. And that's not, um, I don't feel comfortable with that. And I didn't even notice that I was doing that, but that's just what happens, I guess, when you try to achieve a goal mm-hmm. that badly. I really I really wanted to find a way to help other people because that's what I mainly want to do. I love cycling. I want to be a pro, but I want to use my talent to help other people. And at first it was pretty difficult for me because I mean, how can you help other people with riding a bike yourself? Um and then uh my mom's best friend, he was diagnosed with with breast cancer uh, in 2015, I think, and also my dad never knew his dad because he died of cancer when my dad was really young um so yeah i never knew my granddad and i think everyone around us like either through friends or family people at work know someone who has like some connection to cancer you know someone in the family who had cancer maybe them having cancer themselves you know mm-hmm. um so i saw that as a really big topic because it has basically followed me for my entire life so far so what I did was I um, I wanted to raise money for the Cancer Foundation. And last year, the beginning of October, I rode my bike to the Netherlands in six days to raise money for the Swiss Cancer Foundation. Wow. And I rode to the Netherlands because my mom's best friend had a 50th birthday. and She was celebrating it in the Netherlands. And that was kind of like, um, she was already feeling pretty bad. So... That was like the last opportunity for us to say goodbye to her. Mm. Um, and it was like, really, it was it was beautiful seeing her again and everything. Yeah. And yeah, so I cycled to, to the Netherlands in six days. Um, actually, on the first day, a friend joined me from a friend from Novo Nordisk, mm-hmm. uh, Oliver Beringer. Okay. The one who lives in Staffa. Okay. 
like Zurich. And he's he's a really cool guy. And yeah, he just accompanied me on the first day. We rode from uh, Bern, where's like the where the um, headquarters from Swiss Cancer Foundation are. We rode from Bern to uh, to Rust uh, in Germany. Mm-hmm. That was two hundred and fifteen kilometers. And I continued the next day further, and uh, Oliver rode back home again, two hundred fifteen kilometers or something. So yeah, um, I did that for charity, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to put myself here in the spotlight because I didn't do it for that. It's easy to to put yourself in the spotlight, but it's something I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say with this is, um, you know, there are less fortunate people out there. I mean, we especially living in Switzerland, one of the richest countries in the world, we have everything, right? We have everything. Um, and my biggest problems are that I can't be like, you know, my problems. My biggest problems I thought were like, yeah, maybe I can't become a pro. Mm-hmm. Looking at the grand scheme of things, that's no problem at all. So we are very privileged. Um, and other people are less privileged. Um, and like I said, I just had a personal connection with cancer and I thought I'd help them with my talent and everyone can help with their talent. It also took me some time to figure out how I can like achieve something with cycling. Um, yeah, for people who suffer from cancer, Mm. but I found a way and I really try, I really want to motivate other people that they can, I don't know, find a way, even if it's something small, you know, to help other people. And it doesn't have to be the Cancer Foundation, just people who need help. Because, like I said, not everyone is as fortunate as we are. And people really depend on our help. Same with mental health. Um, yeah, people really depend on our help. Yeah, no, no, no. It's um, it's a super great message. And actually, going back to the conversation that we were having before, these things help a lot on putting things into perspective. Yeah, correct. Uh, because in this way, actually, for different layers, in this way, actually, for example, um, a person who is struggling or whatever can think, okay, but I'm kind of privileged, so I can actually think about somebody who really needs my help, and that's the really first layer. But also on the other side, you are putting, as you were saying, you are saying, you are saying I'm putting my talent uh in in the field in order to help other people to be supported right that's the thing but also the other thing is that you went from basel to the no from ne- from Bern to oh, sorry to, to Bern to the yeah, uh, to, to the netherlands to the north of the netherlands absolutely so, yeah. with your bike um and for you i would not say that it's easy but it's something for sure doable but on the other side people just that are not used to this effort and stuff they think okay look this is really a huge effort and if he can do that then first of all he needs some support for his cause the first thing so actually let's support him to raise some uh, money uh, for the charity and that's the first thing and also on the other side you are inspiring other people to say if Ruben can do that. Then probably tomorrow I can also put a bit more of effort on myself on doing something good. Can It's not only cycling, it's not only riding a marathon or whatever, but just doing something small every day for supporting other people, but also for supporting yourself. And this helps you actually as well to to see your own life in a different perspective. And instead of saying, ah, okay, I, cannot, I will never reach this... Uh, uh, I will never reach this uh, this effort. I will never reach this level. I will never do that. The fir- the longest of the journey starts with the first step or the first pedal stroke, right? 
And it's also, I mean, some people thinking like, yeah, well, it doesn't affect me. But maybe it will affect you someday. And then you'll be happy that someone else will do something for you, you know, will help the people you care for, you know. Um, and I mean, I'm not telling everyone to go to, you know, to go on their bike and ride a thousand kilometers in a few days. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. It's just like you said as well, the small things, you know, and I was like, well, people with cancer have to suffer. So, I mean, me suffering for like five or six days, that's, I mean, it's no problem. You know, if they have to suffer, then I also can get out of my comfort zone a bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and this kind of good adventure, long adventures are really, are really something also that lets you a bit dig more into yourself and actually yeah. think about. First of all, you are. I think that actually, so uh, from Switzerland to the northern Netherlands, you crossed a lot of super amazing spots, and this actually enriched you as a person because actually enriched your eyes and everything like this. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other side, you know, you also have a lot of time while writing about thinking about. Uh, for doing a lot of other things. So I think that actually these kind of challenges makes you anyways better, especially if you have a cause like the one that you were mentioning. Correct. And like, yeah, it was super awesome. Like it was, it took me six days. Well, the last day was kind of only half a day. But yeah, in those six days, it kind of felt like two hours, but it also felt like a month. Of course. Like so much happened. And I saw so many beautiful things, you know, had beautiful weather, had strong winds. I had rain. It was so cold at one time that I almost had to give up because, like, my fingers and everything were just blue. I couldn't even shift anymore. Okay. And, you know, all these stories that happen in, like, such a short amount of time also really helped me, you know, mentally because that was uh, that was autumn last year. And, like I said, summer last year, I yeah was kind of at my low point. But that really helped me just seeing that in such a short amount of time you can make so many life-changing experiences i would really say life-changing because mm -hmm. i yeah i just saw so many things and i could talk about it for hours you know like all the funny things that happened all the challenging things that happened yeah it was just amazing you know and seeing everything and then having a flat tire and stuff like that you know just all the stories oh my garmin ah yeah my garmin died in cologne cologne and uh i had to ride for like 60 kilometers from there but it i uh, did like 120 because i went the wrong way because i couldn't navigate you know just uh, yeah just things like like that yeah um that makes it just so unforgettable yeah and it doesn't only help the people with cancer you know it also helps you it's yeah it's something super fun absolutely absolutely so and, yeah uh, yeah go ahead i'm actually sorry uh, one last thing about it go ahead. i'm actually planning something else again for the cancer foundation i wanted to do it yearly but now this year was a bit difficult mm -hmm. next year i'm planning um uh to ride on the track for either 12 hours or 24 hours and then yeah people can donate like per 10 kilometers or per 100 kilometers and then just yeah seeing how far i can go in those 24 hours or 12 hours because yeah i just think it's really interesting if there's a variable you know absolutely absolutely uh where do you think i'm gonna do it what's where's the track that you're where you are training usually well in the summer we're training in zurich Erlikon. 
Ah, yeah, the, and, um, the, it's the outdoor one, right? Yeah, correct. Ah. Then when the weather is bad, or like in the winter, we train in uh, Grenchen. Of course, where there is actually... It's the BNC headquarters there as well, right? Yeah, correct, yeah. correct. And uh, we also do some training weekends in Egle. Mm-hmm. Which is like the UCI headquarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to go once. I've never been on the track in my life, you know. I always do. Really? Yes. Okay. That's something I can experience. That I, I know that actually in Grenken, I can uh, also in uh, in Egle, you can go there, you yeah, can correct. book it, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's something that I need to consider to do it. Just as one time experience. Maybe I can arrange it something. Ah, this see. would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This would be super great because I know how to ride fixed gear. I've been riding fixed gear uh-huh. forever. Even if now I sold on my fixed gear bikes. A fixed gear is something cool, yeah. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, I cannot do it anymore at all for that thing, man. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> I want to do fixed gear crits, but I haven't yet tried, but I'm definitely going to do that. I think they also have one in Zurich, right? Uh, there is the Zurich crit, I think is the name. Yeah, there correct, is one yeah. for sure. I was there two years ago. I was... Oh, I, I definitely want to do that. Like, breaking your collarbone sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're going full gas. In uh, yeah. <laughs> The corners are pretty narrow, man. They are really, yeah, really, really Yeah, narrow. really dangerous, but uh, super cool. But even if, I don't know if they're going to start again, and that's a pity, but for sure you have to consider if they're starting again to do the Red Duke crit. Yeah, yeah, Maybe correct. in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that's uh, but that's for sure. Uh, anyways, when you are thinking about doing uh, your track challenge or how do you want to call it, whatever, give me a shout. I'm gonna be there supporting. Okay, that's that's cool. That's a hundred percent. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. In whatever matter, in whatever way, actually, it comes into my mind, I will support you for sure. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. It means a lot. So we were saying. Your cycling, how does it look like now? Yeah, I think we got a bit of topic. Um, <laughs> it's completely fine, man. As I was saying, we're here to talk. <laughs> My cycling, how it looks right now. Um, I, uh, oh, well, talking about charities, Corona. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, Disclaimer, I'm going to talk about Corona. So that's already twice okay. now. Okay, <laughs> perfect. So two kinds. So, uh, yeah, I uh, had a back injury. Then I had a few weeks of very productive training. Um. And then I got Corona. Mm-hmm. That's three coins. Three. Did everyone hear that? Corona? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I had that. So I had to stay in my room and quarantine. Uh, actually felt good. Mm-hmm. But then afterwards, my joints, so my ankles, knees and elbows started like swelling up a bit and hurting. So I couldn't really train. So what I've been doing now for the past days is just some easy zone one rides. Just, uh, yeah, recovery rides, I guess, recovering from, I don't know, <laughs> just just very easy rides to just, you know, get the legs going again. And then tomorrow the plan is going to be to, uh, yeah, do endurance rides and then slowly build it up, you know, just more, like build up the volume with endurance rides, but also some zone three intervals. Yeah, but now I have to do it all indoors because. Of course. Yeah, I live uh, an altitude of 1,030 meters. So uh, there's a lot of snow now, a lot of ice on the roads. Sometimes when the weather is good in winter, I can actually ride my mountain bike, but I couldn't do that yet. But yeah, all my rides are now indoors. That's uh, pretty boring, especially at the start. You really have to get used to all the sweating, and mm. it just feels very demotivating at the beginning because you're not actually moving and it just feels very different to normal riding you know yeah Mm -hmm. that's how it looks right now 
Okay, but you have, um, you have a team, you were telling me before that you are, um, you have some good events lined up for next year, right? Correct. So, well, the first thing I would have had lined up mm-hmm. were, um, well, I'm obviously, so no, I'm going to tell you about like the whole plan. So I started road cycling and then in 2018, like the end of 2018, because um, our team at the time, we also had people racing mountain bike. And um, what's your team? Asked, Sorry if I interrupt you. What's your team, if I can ask you? Well, in 2018, it was Gadola Veticon. Okay. But now it's, um, uh, well, it sounds stupid, but it's, uh, well, yeah, it's BE Electrics. It's, um, yeah, it's also called uh, La Bicicleta. Okay. It's the only, I guess, professional Swiss track team. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, back to 2018, I started doing some mountain bike races, just marathons, and I was actually really good at it. Like, I had good, um, good numbers was also right at the front so i enjoyed that and also started to ride on the track a bit and um yeah then last year happened which wasn't so great and i just had a lot yeah like i enjoyed the track way more than road cycling okay so i said to my coach um okay i'm gonna look for track team my goal was to ride the entirety of 2020 on the track, mm-hmm. which didn't happen because of Corona. I think that's five points. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, now the goal will be to ride on the track mainly, um, but also do some road races and also some mountain bike races, some mountain bike marathons. So my first goal this year would have been to go to uh, to Israel at the end of February to... Uh, the Sam Marathon, which is a UCI marathon race, four-day stage race, um, with, with some big riders as well. But that would be more like a training race. Just, yeah, to also have some fun, yeah, in the winter, I guess, and to get that intensity. And um, then a week later, going to Cyprus for, I think it's called the Cape Epic or, I don't know, Epic Sun Tour or something, a mountain bike race as well, also a UCI mountain bike marathon and yeah van der Poel also participated there in 2018 so it's also a big race a lot of big names so that was my goal but now it's a bit uncertain because of corona i don't know if i can add a six um <laughs> i don't know if uh if i can go but yeah that would have been my first goals and then just track races but everything's still a bit uncertain so yeah i'll definitely do mountain biking road cycling and track cycling that's super 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 good actually that you are getting into uh, this cross-country marathon thing because Mm -hmm. i don't know i talked not so much time ago with a super awesome and now i'm gonna misspell her name as usual uh arian luti Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, almost. <laughs> yeah, she won the the Cape Epic, I think, I don't know, a couple of thousand times. She's super strong <laughs> and she's super, super nice person. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, actually, I got to know about this kind of sport, I would say, because it's a different playground completely. Um, exactly, exactly by then, so a couple of years ago. And since then, actually, I think it's the great because it actually mixes up a lot of super funny things that is long days riding cool mm-hmm. climbs exploring and also some good fun in the downhills that i hate but i Correct. think that you proper <laughs> cyclists you like it right yeah that's true well i mean the technical side is definitely i'm definitely still lacking the technical side of mountain biking just because i didn't grow up mountain biking mm-hmm. 
Um, just, yeah, track bike is very different to handle and a road bike is also very different to handle compared to a mountain bike. Yeah, it's definitely something I'm working on. And now I'm at a point where, you know, if I enjoy something and I'm not that good at it, then I'll just, yeah keep trying until i get better at it of course of course no this looks pretty good anyways i think i got the name of the races and i'm gonna misspell it as well the name of the race in cyprus i think is the Litorantas mountain bike by anjos minson wait i have to check um uh i have it here in front i have my uci calendar in front of me ah, okay that's yeah okay donas or whatever it is i'm gonna put the link anyways because i'm saying a lot of mess here with my words <laughs> uh it's really really but yeah it looks pretty fine and as i was saying it's everything combined together uh from something super similar to uh ultra endurance or something like this even if you are not sleeping outside or whatever but it's six days of really hard riding and then i think that you are going to i don't know you talked about cyprus we we're talking about israel amazing landscapes yeah definitely definitely mm-hmm. my parents have been to uh, israel a few times my brother as well and uh I've actually been talking a few times now to uh, to the guy from Israel Cycling Academy. He's called Guy Agi Sagiv, I think. He was an Israeli national champion on the road in time trial. Okay. Yeah, so uh, if I go there, then maybe he's also there and we'll yeah, have a few rides together. Of course. So you're going to bring two bicycles of yours. Yeah. <laughs> of yeah. course. How many bicycles do you have, Ruben? I didn't ask you at all. Oh, um. Do you know about the M plus one rule? Absolutely, <laughs> but I don't believe in it. <laughs> no, I think I, uh, um, I think I have like five or six bikes. Okay, so you have a couple of track bikes, a couple of road bikes, and a couple of mountain bikes. Yeah, well, bikes. actually, my track bike is still in Ericon. I forgot to pick that up. So. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, what color? What kind of bicycle and what color is it? I can go and pick it up and keep it. I'm kidding. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's a. Uh, it's a black frame, all black. Okay, um, okay. Brand, I don't actually know. Maybe Devolo. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, it's a very fast bike. I can I can send you a picture. Oh, well, I would love to. Very cool bike. Yeah. I mean, track bikes look look great anyway. Yeah, so, because uh, they are so clean and pristine. They're completely... You yeah, know. yeah. And I'm actually looking to buy a new handlebar mm-hmm. from, uh, from Aero Coach, okay. I think. Like a track handlebar, uh, yeah, it looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Still talking about cycling, I need to ask you this question that probably, let's see where it's going to take us. Uh, I just want to ask you, we all have our favorite ride close uh-huh. by home, right? Where we're yeah. going out there just to for training. For example, I have a couple of those and I have the one that I'm doing, for example, to do my my intervals, but the one close by home usually are the ones that actually you go out and you want just to enjoy uh, your backyard. I call it backyard rides because they are the one that cleans your head. They are the ones that actually you feel comfortable with. They are actually your sweet spot on doing. And I have a couple of those, as I was saying. Do you have one? Do you have something like a good ride that you well, the ride I enjoy most definitely coffee rides. Okay, <laughs> of course, of course, with party pace. So, um, so, like I said, I live in a small village, right? Um, and it's basically like the end of a valley. So there's mountain mountains around me. Um, but we have a few climbs here, but they're kind of like dead ends. So you can climb for like twenty minutes, and then you have to turn around. Mm-hmm. But I really, really love those climbs. So one is when I'm here at home, and I'm yeah, riding to Bruni, which is like the last village be- before the mountain. Um, 
yeah, and then there are basically two sides you can go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, usually when I ride, I go um, to the right side first, which is a really nice climb. I think average of like 10%. Um, and you get up there, I don't know, 15 minutes. Yeah, okay. 15 to, to 20 minutes. And then a nice downhill where there are actually not a lot of cars. And I know the downhill really well. So I can also try new things, you know, on my uh, technique. So that's really helpful. And it's just like, I love that climb. I, you know, we always walked up there when I was little. Okay. So I know it really well and it just, it really feels like home. Um, and then, yeah, back in uh, the village, you go up the other side, which is also beautiful. It's in the forest, so there are no cars at all. Cars are not allowed there. And that's also like, it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, like I said, it's it's a dead end, so you have to turn around. But those are like the climbs I know because I grew up here. Okay. And I love them. And then, yeah, you go back to the village. You go back to Alptal, where I live. Then you go a bit further on the road. And then there's another climb to the left. Again, 20 minutes, probably. Again, pretty steep. Probably, I don't know, 10% average. Okay. 10% average. And, uh, yeah, you also have to turn around. But it's a very nice climb. I actually know that uh, Stefan Küng also mm-hmm. does a climb sometimes. Okay. okay. So he also rides up there and then just turns around. Yeah, so it's a really nice climb. Again, no cars. Yeah, really, really lovely. Um, and then another ride I also really like is um, riding to Einsiedeln, which is like the closest, yeah, village, like the closest, yeah, kind of like big village to me. Mm-hmm. Then riding around to Sealsee, going Sattlek. Of course. Um yeah, and tonight you're going to Pfeffikon over the Etzel. Or going the other side to uh Glarus and then the Klausen Pass. Ah yeah, of course. So you do the double satellite. Yeah, and then and then you can actually also um you know the Klausen Pass when you're uh when you're in Flüele. Mm-hmm. You can go along the Fiwaldstättersee. Mm-hmm. And go to Schwitz. Yes. And then you can go over the Ibergrick. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you are again at the Sealsee. Then you can go around the Sealsee. And then you can go home. Or like I can go home at least. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You are super close. For me, it's the long way close to the to the Zurich yeah. trail to come back home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I really know. I know really good actually uh, that, that part there. Mm-hmm. And but I usually do only two of them at the time. So for me, yeah. the double is yes. Or, yeah, that's true. It's pretty challenging. Yes, I usually do or first the satellite and then the Bergerech, uh-huh. and then coming back home, or I go to the Pragel Pass and do it from the steep part. Okay, yeah. Then I go down and then I do the Klausen Pass and then I come back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also nice, right? Like I'm, yeah, I'm very lucky that I live so close to all these mountains, mm-hmm. um, and also. Like now, I talked about free climbs that are dead ends, but there are a lot more. Okay. So I know every single climb. So when I see, okay, I have like a 20 minute interval, this intensity, then I know, okay, I can go up this climb because I usually enjoy intervals uphill more because you can um, keep the power smoother. You know, it just, yeah, and it also feels a bit better if you have a bit more pressure on the pedals because you usually have, yeah, you know, it's a bit, the, the torque is a bit much, a bit higher. So, yeah, I know a lot of roads here, a lot of climbs. Unfortunately, they are dead ends. Okay. A lot of them. But then again, that's, yeah. No, that's, uh, this sounds really, really, 
yeah, nice and uh, it's really cool actually that you have different climbs or different training and different intervals that you have, but still. Yeah, but most of them are pretty steep. So yeah, uh... <laughs> that's the point. And so actually, you have actually time to choose, and then you have also time to choose what's best for you or not. Yeah, correct. Also, like whilst training, mm-hmm. when I know okay, I have like three of those intervals, I can just choose in which climb I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Um, I just want to ask you, please, if you can just put the two rides that you, uh, if you can share the two rides that you have done on uh, on Komoot and then tag the broom wagon there. This would Definitely, be yeah. super awesome. So I'm going to put it in my collection. And maybe another thing that we can do, we can meet at a certain point when the snow is going to melt in yes, June, and probably. Yes, yeah, you can go uphill and then, yeah. Yes, and then we can go out <laughs> and you can show me. Don't show me the ride that you mentioned. So the Sauteleki, Bergereg, Klausen and Gaubekom because uh. <laughs> I, I can really, I will never do it, especially close by you. But yeah, we can do we can do a shorter one for sure. Maybe one of your backdoor ones. Okay, yeah, that sounds sounds great. Actually, I know. I'm here for coffee. Yeah, yeah. Oh, perfect. And I think that as you like the the coffee rides, for sure you will know a lot of good coffee places where to stop. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And anyways, I actually just popped up into my mind talking about something of a common topic of my my podcast. Once I was up to the Sateleg... Uh, mm-hmm. From this climb that was something like the 20% of it, so a couple of kilometers, maybe four kilometers, I don't remember mm-hmm. how much, it was in gravel. And I went there with a road bike and it was super cool side, that one. I need to do it again. Probably we can do it together. Yeah, yeah, sounds awesome. Because I actually also do a lot of like gravel climbs, mm. gravel riding on okay. my road bike. Uh, naturally also because there's a lot of gravel here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and if you know like the the different roads, then you also know where where you can ride. Yeah, and it actually it feels really cool. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> let's do that. Let's do that. Let's try. Let's meet before, anyways. But let's try to meet for a good ride on April, maybe, Ruben. Sounds good. Yeah, Sounds good. that's awesome. Well, Ruben, it was really amazing, great pleasure to talk to you today. Maybe I don't know. Thanks do for you, having me. Yeah. Do you want to add something else? Because I'm just uh, cutting you away. Do you want to add yes. something? Yeah. Go ahead. I want to add something. Um, Corona. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Six, huh? <laughs> no, I think seven actually. Ah, Leah, really? Okay. <laughs> let's stay on the safe <laughs> side. Let's go for seven. <laughs> okay, let's go for seven. Yeah. Um, no, anything to add? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, of course, there's a lot of things to talk about about every person. But um, no, I think that we talked about what we talk, what we wanted to talk about. Um, I think that's it. I'm. Uh, yeah, like I said, thanks for having me. <laughs> no, thank you, really. It was an amazing, really, really good conversation. And because you are so close, we are so close, I think that we actually need to find a certain point, time to meet, especially, I don't know, whatever. We actually, yeah, in Zurich, you are there. Try, let's try to meet and to have some rides. Or worst case scenario, as soon as we can, talking about riding, we can have a good swift ride together. Oh, yeah. I also told you, I think, um, told you actually yesterday mm-hmm. that... Um, I'm planning to uh, ah, yeah. go yeah, that I'm riding to Poland next summer. Okay. To my girlfriend. So yeah, if you want to accompany me somewhere along the way, or if any of you out there live somewhere along the road from Switzerland to Poland and want to join me somewhere, then uh, get in contact. Just to talk about that. Do you have already a rough idea on which place or from which direction are you going if you're going through all germany and then czech republic and then poland or only germany and that poland well, I'm going through uh through germany obviously okay uh and then just along the border of austria and then going through czech republic and then to 
to Poland because she lives near Krakow. So uh, yeah, that's pretty close to to the Czech border. Um, and actually, funny thing is, um, I checked on uh, on Kamut, you know the the road. Yeah. Right when you go to the border, like right right when you go into Czech Republic, I noticed that there was a lake. And when I had Corona, sorry, that's eight times, mm-hmm. but um, I had yeah, I was in quarantine, and I played this game GeoGuessr. I don't know if you know that. Okay, uh, but um, I don't know it, but I can guess what it is. Okay, it's, like... it's a really really cool game. It's um you basically like there are different countries you can pick you can also do like worldwide and there are five locations and you just get placed somewhere um in your selected location um on google street view okay and then only with like walking around and looking at signs and stuff you have to guess where you are on the world map and like i said i'm very competitive so yeah on most rounds i spent like six seven eight hours to find the right spot and i was always like yeah, only a few meters away. And uh, okay. one spot was actually in Czech Republic. It was in the forest. And then, yeah, I had to go for like, had to walk for like half an hour to find civilization. And I found a lake. And it turns out that's actually the exact same lake I found on Geogesa is the lake that Kamut shows like the route to Krakow. Awesome. So I'm really planning to like also ride through there so I can actually see what I saw on the laptop. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. So yeah, just thought that's something funny. Awesome, awesome. Uh, share with me also this uh, this map for sure. I can actually probably come to come with you for the first 100, 150 kilometers with no problems. Yeah, if that's I'm gonna cool. be around. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's probably next summer. Uh, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Somewhere something like June, July, right? Yeah, correct, correct. Perfect. Uh, then thanks a lot, Ruben. It was a great pleasure. Well, thank you. I will talk to you soon. Yes. Ciao, ciao. So everybody, I think that you are going to agree with me that this episode was really, really, really great and with a lot of info and really deep and a lot of amazing, amazing talk. I think I've said everything I wanted to say during the episode, but maybe stress a bit more on the point that if you see uh, somebody struggling a bit and uh, maybe not having a perfect time, just try to check in from time to time. Just talk be light-hearted and just have a chat with everybody there that you think needs help. Just a little hi, it's already fine to start a conversation. Engage a conversation and for sure you're gonna do great, great things there. And uh, yeah, I would say that this is probably the most important thing, especially in stressful period like this one. Yes, it was another mention of Corona. Yes, it was. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. With this one, 11. 11 coins, probably 11 francs, are going to be dropped into my COVID swear jar. That Remember, all the money are going to be collected at the end of this season and will go to the Sea Watch. Because I truly believe that they are doing an amazing job there on the Central Mediterranean Sea to rescue refugees that are risking their life just to look for something better for the life of their families or themselves. Um, if you want also to donate, feel free. Uh, you don't need actually, you're gonna have for sure my blessing, but yeah, just go to the Sea Watch website and you will find all the information if you want to give some support at the, to these awesome people. That's enough. Continue follow Ruben everywhere down there in the description. You're going to find 
everything that you need uh, some social media account also fun thing of the things that we talked about and that said okay i think it's it's enough for this week thanks a lot for listening remember that you can go to Komoot uh, and look for the Broomwagon account and there look for the awesome ride. I have it here in front of me. A lot of amazing gravel climbs that you can find in the backyard ride of Ruben. It's gonna be super funny. I actually really suggest you to have a look uh, to it. Also, talking about Komoot, uh, go to komoot.com g and put the code BROOM so you can unlock your free region and do everything that you can really do with uh, that extra feature that you can get, one for everything, just go and get your maps also offline in your phone, super important. And remember to rate, subscribe and review and enjoy this episode in all the platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere and share it with your friends. That's super important for me and this will help me actually jumping up to the charts of Yes, of all the provider of podcasts that you are following. Well, enjoy the rest of the week. If you're listening at the beginning of the week or the rest of the weekend, anyways, go out, ride your bike and enjoy. Bye.